0: CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents Come in. Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall. The boundaries which divide life from death said Edgar Allan Poe are at best shadowy and vague and who shall say where the one ends and the other begins who indeed certainly not Mr. Poe when he wrote those sentiments over a hundred years ago and how curiously modern they seem today where does life and death begin and who is to judge
1: what makes you so sure of yourself sir
0: I know
2: what I believe. I know how I was raised. I know my attitude toward life.
1: Is that so? And do you consider yourself a moral, upright, honest man?
2: And with all with all modesty, I would say yes.
1: Well, I've only known you for these past few minutes, but I'll make a bet that I could make you cheat on your wife, steal from your boss, and even commit murder. During the next 48 hours,
0: our mystery drama, A Casual Affair, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Sam Dan and stars Mason Adams. It is sponsored in part by General Electric and Buick Motor Division. I'll be back shortly with Act One. Traveling salesman used to be very much a part of the folklore of America. The traveling salesman, or drummer, as he was also called, was usually brash, gaudy, outrageous in speech and manner. Well, times and types change. Today you have men who travel for their companies who are the very models of conservatism. They wear quiet but expensive clothes. They stop at the best hotels and dine in the most exclusive restaurants. One thing hasn't changed very much, though. It's a lonely job. The nights are too long, almost endless. Richard Pomeroy is a thousand miles from home. He's waiting to dine, alone, sitting at the bar until he will be shown to a table. Sitting next to him is a rather attractive woman of about 30. Richard is a man who doesn't play around. But it shouldn't be implied that he never thinks about it. Very nice.
2: I wonder if she's married. She's wearing a ring. But is it a wet... Nah, better not start anything. Start? I wouldn't know how to start. Some fellas, it just goes. They smile, say care for a drink, and they're home. If I try something like that. All right, the truth is I don't want to try it. I'm just not interested. I've never done anything like it in all the years I've been married. And I don't intend to start now.
1: Look, you want to buy me a drink? Buy me a drink.
2: I, I beg your pardon?
1: Oh, you've been enough soul searching. You've made all the normal objections.
2: Are you a mind reader?
1: I'll have a bourbon sour.
2: Martiner? Are they the same here?
1: No. I'd say I'm a mouth reader.
2: A mouth reader?
1: Just watch a person's mouth. See how his lips narrow, become tight. He'll bite one of his lips when he's under stress. There are those who bite their upper lip and those who bite the lower. Which type are you?
2: I hadn't thought about it.
1: Well, everybody bites one or the other. You're an upper biter. I've been watching you.
2: I never knew that.
1: Upperbiters form the minority. They're usually highly introspective
2: people. Yes, yes, I I have been called introspective.
1: Scientifically inclined.
2: So, you know, there might be something to it. I'm an engineer.
1: <laughs> there you see, proves my theory's correct.
2: No, I, I don't. I don't work as an engineer, exactly. I, I sell motors. But I, I have to troubleshoot for the entire corporation.
1: Our providers are also very hard workers.
2: Yes, that describes me all right. Uh, my name is Richard Pomeroy.
1: And I'm Cressida Harlow. Cressida? Mm-hmm.
2: Well, that's a most unusual name. That's very pretty. Are you, um, I mean, uh.
1: Am I waiting for anyone? No. I'd love to have dinner with you. Oh.
2: Well, of course. You live here?
1: No, I'm traveling as you are. What do you do? What you do? I sell market research.
2: Must be a fascinating field.
1: It's a job. Do you really want to talk shop?
2: No, not really.
1: (laughs) Are you married? Yes. (laughs) That slight hesitation as if you weren't sure how you wanted to answer.
2: You're a very disconcerting woman.
1: Life is a disconcerting experience. Are you married? Divorced. Are you, uh, happily married?
2: Yes.
1: (laughs) I see you had to stop to think again.
2: I wanted to be honest.
1: With whom? Me or yourself?
2: Right now I should run. Run from this place go to the airport and get on a plane. If there's nothing flying to Chicago at this hour, I should rent a car and drive through till morning. I am getting involved. I never met anyone like her in my life. I thought I did when I met Jeanette. She's what I hoped Jeanette would become, but never did. This gray-eyed woman, she's like a goddess. Something's happened between us. I know it. She knows it. And we'll end this evening in my room or hers. And I will have started something I won't know how to finish. I should say goodbye right now. But why can't it just end with dinner and a pleasant good night? Who says it has to go further?
1: I would assume you're doing something for the first time.
2: Doing what?
1: Technically... What you've done is, you've picked me up at a bar.
2: Technically, I believe you spoke first.
1: But you intended to speak first. You just didn't know how. Which leads me to assume you have very little experience at this sort of thing.
2: Practically none.
1: You can thank woman's lib. For what? Well, in the ordinary way, I would never have had the courage to strike up a conversation in a bar with a strange man. But I've learned that it simply isn't right for the man to have all the options. If I see an attractive person, why shouldn't I say hello? I agree. It's a difficult life. Constantly traveling. Why not have pleasant company at dinner?
2: Dinner was wonderful. I never felt so happy, so excited, so filled with anticipation. He looked more lovely with every passing minute. And I realized it was no longer a question of should I, shouldn't I, but that we would just let things take their proper course. And they did. Our hands met and clasped across the table. And we looked deeply into each other's eyes. The moment had arrived and the movement was automatic. We kissed. It was a light, brief brush of the lips. But it was a promise of what was to come. Of what had to be. The following morning, we had breakfast together at the hotel. And where will you be going today?
1: Indianapolis. Indianapolis, Indiana.
2: Did you know that's the only major city in the United States that isn't on a river?
1: No. Oh, you have a wealth of knowledge.
2: Trivia. Do you know why, darling? Tell me, darling. Because till now I had nothing better to occupy my time, but now I have you. Mm-hmm.
1: And where are you going? Chicago. Richard, is—is is this goodbye?
2: Do you want it to be?
1: Well, can you ask me that after last night?
2: When can we meet again?
1: Whenever you say.
2: But, darling.
1: Yes. How? How? We can meet whenever we want each other or need each other. All we have to do is board an airplane. But, darling... It's another way of looking at the world, Richard. You see, till now the traveling each of us does was a job. Now it's a joy and a deliverance. It enables us to come together.
2: But I don't see how we... Meet me in San Francisco on Friday. I have no reason to go Oh,
1: together. yes, you have. I'm the reason... I'm sure there are motors which aren't functioning to your complete satisfaction in the San Francisco plant.
2: True. I'm never really satisfied with our manufacturing process. Of
1: course. And my company always has clients who need extra service.
2: Till Friday, darling. Till Friday?
1: Would you... Care for some eggs, Richard. Ah,
2: uh, no, thank you, dear. The Collins
1: have asked us to dinner. Oh, that's
2: good. I like George and Marie.
1: Mm, I know you do. Therefore, I accept it without consulting you.
2: Without consulting me?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> really, Jeanette, you make it sound as if I'm your lord and master, without whose permission you are scarcely permitted to breathe. Well, Richard, it's just that you travel so much. I, I told you, you are in complete charge of social arrangements. Very well. Dinner at eight. Good. Friday night. We can't go. What? I'm sorry, Jeanette. Really, I'll be out of town on Friday.
1: Uh, it's all right. The Collins will understand. It's something everybody understands today.
2: The demands of a man's job. Yeah, Jeanette, uh, darling, this this trip is absolutely necessary. Mm, I assume it is. You see, the Q series of motors, the ones that power the operating arm is... Oh boy, I'm not I'm not supposed to talk about it. <laughs>
1: I'm sure I couldn't hope to understand.
2: No, 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 no. I'm not even supposed to say I'm working on something top secret, either. E- even that's top secret. Richard. Huh?
1: Richard, where will you be going Friday? Where?
2: Um, uh, uh, San Francisco.
1: Do you suppose I could go with you?
2: You, you, you want to come with me? Yes. Oh. Well, I, I would think that you had a million things to do. Uh, that is, you usually have. Why shouldn't I come
1: to San Francisco with you? What, you'd be bored silly. The truth is I'm bored
2: silly here at home. We could have so much fun in San Francisco. Well, yeah, but I'm not going there to have fun. I'll be in meetings all day, and they usually run through dinner.
1: I understand, but we could have Saturday and Sunday. There's so much to do and to see.
2: Uh, the truth is, darling, we won't have Saturday and Sunday. See, the reason I'm going Friday is to watch the production line in operation. And that leaves me the weekend when the line is down to make whatever alterations that I've... Yes,
1: yes, I understand.
2: I'll be at it straight through. I'll be lucky to finish on Sunday night. And Monday, of course, I have to be at the office. So what kind of weekend would that be for you? Well, another time. Of course, another time. It was the first time I'd ever lied to Jeanette I was sorry Felt badly As a matter of fact, I was still feeling badly at dinner Friday night in San Francisco with Cressida
1: You have a guilty conscience well,
2: how did you know?
1: This is the first time for you again, isn't it?
2: Yes, how about you? Me? Weren't you married?
1: Oh, we grew tired of each other It had to happen What do you mean? Well, you change every day. If you're honest, you admit it. Most people don't. They try to hold on to what they were, what they had. So they harden into a mold. Be happy you're breaking out of yours, Richard.
2: I am not sure I follow that.
1: No, but you do. You and your wife, you're no longer the same people you were when you met and fell in love and married, are you? No. Then why do you try to hold on to it now? Live now. Love now. Make no promise you cannot keep.
2: President, I promise you.
1: No. You love me now. It's enough.
2: I've never really lived for the moment.
1: But the moment is all there is.
2: I could never give you up.
1: Think, Richard. Didn't you once say something like that to the woman you married?
2: Yes, I may have. But this time I mean it. I could never give you up.
1: You never know, Richard, darling. The time may come when you can't wait to get rid of me. Never. <laughs> never is a long time, Richard.
0: And so it is. What kind of lady is this, Cressida Harlow? This beautiful woman who only wants to be loved, who lives only to bring pleasure and delight, who asks nothing in return. That is, so far, it's too good to be true. But it's only Act One. Act Two may bring us another perspective. Richard Pomeroy, an engineer. We mention his profession because engineers are, as a group, serious sober-minded fellows who weigh and measure and who deal in the sciences. A conservative group, to say the least. Mr. Pomeroy has been married for some 15 years to a very quiet lady, and suddenly he has strayed off the reservation. He has been absolutely knocked off his feet by a woman named Cressida, Harlow.
2: The next several months passed as if in a dream. A dream of paradise. Each of us had jobs which allowed us unlimited, unquestioned travel. And we met once or twice a week all over the country, all over the world. My home was no longer my base of operations. It was merely a place where I had to make certain ritual visits. My true home was with Cressida. And then one morning, Jeanette looked at me. Who
1: is she, Richard?
2: Who... who is who?
1: The woman with whom you're having an affair. I... this is... It isn't true.
2: What makes you say I'm, I'm having an affair...
1: You dress differently now, Richard. You're lighter, quicker on your feet. You seem happy. But, Jeanette... I thought we'd built something these past 15 years. Jeanette... Something that would sustain us. But I suppose it. I know I'm no longer young. Jeanette... Do you deny it? Please, darling. You want a divorce? I see. You're not that sure of her. What does she want, Richard... You make a very good living, but you don't have what could be considered real money.
2: What does she want? Has it ever occurred to you that she wants me? Why? 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 Because because I'm an exciting person. No, Richard. Exciting, you're not. Serious, sober-minded,
1: yes. But exciting, definitely not. Jeanette, I don't want to talk about this now. She doesn't want to marry you. You're not all that rich. What does she want, Richard?
2: How could I hope to explain? There are free spirits in the world. And they come down to Earth now and then. Cressida is one of them. And the last time she came down to Earth, I'm talking figuratively now, you understand? She happened to light beside me. What does she want? she wants nothing nothing but the joy of the moment how could I explain that to Jeanette I didn't I simply left for the office but just thinking about Cressida made me want her and so as soon as I reached my desk I picked up my phone and I dialed her number and it rang and it rang and there was no answer funny she had a service I could always leave a message I tried her at her office.
3: Caldwell and Carson.
2: Miss Cressida Harlow, please.
3: Miss Cressida Harlow is no longer with us.
2: I beg your pardon?
3: Miss Harlow is no longer
4: with us.
2: But where is she?
4: Miss Harlow resigned last week.
2: She couldn't have. Where did she go?
4: Miss Harlow said she would send us an address where we could forward her
0: messages. Would you care to leave your name? No. No.
2: I was stunned, shocked. I couldn't imagine what had happened or why. How could she just disappear? I know she had said it would be over one day, but like this so abruptly? But before I could think it through, I became aware of a man standing next to my desk. How'd you get in here? I walked in. Who? Who are you? I think I better close the door. What makes you think you can just barge in here?
4: Okay, okay, let's get with it. Never mind how I got in here and what you think you can do about it. I want you to do me a favor. Who are you? You'll be going to Paris next week. Who will be going to Paris? You. You've got
2: to check out the motors in the French factory. I refuse to hear another word. You have no right to be in here. We're engaged in government contracts. You can get a lot of trouble. I'm going to call a guard this minute. Yeah, you do that. You call a guard and I'll show him this
4: picture. And then I'll show him this one. (laughs) I see. You're not going to call a guard. That's very good thinking. Where did you get... The guy who took these photos, isn't he just terrific? He calls it a pictorial essay. Here's you and this gorgeous dame sitting so cozy in this nightclub. And here are you, Romeo, leaning across the table to give her a great big kiss. End of act one. Act two takes place in the hotel. Where did you get... How did you... Go ahead, go ahead. Tear him up. We have the negatives. This is... This is... Words failure, huh? Well, they should. Now, while you're trying to find the right ones, let me analyze the situation. You're being offered a job with my company. A part-time job. It won't interfere with your regular activities. I refuse to... Why do you interrupt? You're sitting there with a bust hand against four aces. Now, who are you trying to bluff? You see, Richard, we deliver things from a client in one country to a client in another. Jewels, uh, drugs, for example, negotiable bonds. Begin to get the idea? You can't come and in. we need messengers, the kind of messenger that no customs officer, no cop,
2: would ever dream to suspect. I won't do it. You won't, Richard? What can you do? Show those pictures to my wife? Well, she already knows I'm having an affair, so do your worst. Richard, don't make it come to the worst. I think that I actually thought I was in love with that
4: Miss Cressida Harlow. (laughs) You've got to admit she does a great job. Where, Where is she now? We call her Sergeant Harlow. You ever meet a better recruiting sergeant?
2: You've stated your proposition. The answer is no.
4: Ah, you're upset. And I understand. But you'll be in shape to listen to reason in a couple of days.
2: What does she want from you, Richard? I could hear Jeanette's question. (laughs) It was obvious what she wanted from me. Obvious now. How could such a thing happen to me? I was a foolish middle-aged man looking for a fling. And the tragedy was, I didn't know I was looking. The marriage was ruined. But at least the damage would stop there. Blackmail. <laughs> How could they hope to blackmail me? By telling my wife? The fools didn't they realize i had already lost her? And in the midst of this reverie, the telephone rang. It was the big boss himself. Wanted to see me Immediately.
3: Yes, Mr. Darling. Oh, sit down, Richard. Sit down. Now, uh, what did I want to see you about? Uh, let me look it up here. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, how is Jeanette? Oh, she's, she's fine. Oh, I'm glad to hear it. She's one of my favorite ladies. There are very few ladies around these days. Lots of women, but very few ladies. Oh, uh, here, yes, 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 here it is. My note. Tell Richard why I won't hire Jim Demarest.
2: You won't hire Jim Demarest?
3: No, Richard,
2: I will not. But well, you asked me for my recommendation. And I know I did. He's a first-rate engineer. And I'm sure he is. But I always hire the men of
3: my department. You usually do, but we must make an exception in the case of Jim Demarest. I won't have him in my company. Why,
2: Mr. Darley?
3: man has no morals. What, what do you mean, sir? As far as women are concerned. I don't think it's necessary to go into details. But isn't that Jim Demarest's affair? No, Richard. He's a married man with children, and he's a notorious rake. Well, isn't that word still used today? Oh, whatever. But, Mr. Darling, a man's private life... A man who cheats on his wife cheats. Part of his makeup. If he cheats her, and he's bound to her by the laws of both the church and the state, well, that does sound a bit stuffy, I admit. Well, how else can I put it... At any rate, why shouldn't he cheat me? I'm only his employer.
2: Mr. Darling, good engineers are very hard to find.
3: All good men are hard to find. And this is a hard company to work for. We can only do quality work because we have quality employees. Look for men like yourself, Richard. Honest, loyal, sincere people. You understand?
2: Yes, sir. I understand. I <laughs> understand.
4: Uh, mind if I join you? Yes, I do. I'll even pick up the tab. Ooh, it's a nice little joint here. How's the food?
2: I told you I wouldn't have anything to do with you. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, let me tell you how it works. What works? The switch. You see, you have an attache case, and we make up one exactly like it. Now, before you leave for the trip. In this case, pounds. How many
2: times do I have to tell you?
4: For an engineer, you really can't read diagrams too good. You know that?
2: What diagrams?
4: That little pictorial essay. Show it to my wife. It doesn't matter. Ah, That's not such a good idea. You see, we thought we'd show it to your boss. To my... Richard, in all these situations, you always go to the top. That's how to get results.
2: You can't do that.
4: He, he, he wouldn't fire you right off, Richard. He'd be very disappointed. And at first, he'd start cutting your various responsibilities. And after a while, you'd... Uh, well, you just have to resign.
2: What do you want from me?
4: Just listen. You have this attaché case. When you get off at Orly Field in Paris, there's a newsstand near the gate. You'll we'll see it. Go there. Stop at the counter. Put your attaché case down the floor. You'll be looking at the newspapers. A man will come over and stand next to you. And he'll have a case just like yours. He'll put it down next to yours. You don't do anything. When he leaves, he'll pick up your case instead of his. Then you pick up his and be on your way. All right. I really... I have no reason to go to Paris. Find one. We have a customer who has to send some merchandise. But you
2: can't... Richard, we've been through it all. But Paris, I'd have to convince my boss... Convince him. Listen, there's one thing you don't seem to take into consideration. Yeah? Me. My personality. All right, you can force me to do this, sure. Who would suspect me? No one ever has. That's because every time I travel, I... I have nothing to hide. But this time I'll have guilty knowledge. I'll be nervous. I'll I'll excite suspicion. You just have to stop being nervous. I can't control that. I I might easily be arrested.
4: That's always possible. They'll get me to talk. (laughs) What can you tell them? I'll tell them about you. You don't even know my name. I could describe you. I'd
2: deny it. But my description used with other information could be just what they need.
4: That's true. Well, I
2: wouldn't worry about it. Look, I'm just trying to explain. I you. said
4: not to worry, Richard. Things will never get that far. If it looks like the cops are getting wise to you, <laughs> you'd never even get a chance to talk. We'd
0: knock you off first. And that parting shot certainly had the ring of conviction, didn't it? It doesn't get better for poor Richard, does it? Of course, he could have avoided this entire problem by not speaking to a beautiful stranger in a bar in the first place. But I'm sure he wouldn't appreciate this kind of moralizing. What he needs is a way out. And what we need is a third act, which we shall produce for you in just a few moments. If I may paraphrase Some men are born thieves Some become thieves Others have thievery thrust upon them Does it matter if the fault Is in our stars Or in us Either way We pay the price Paying full price With no hope of rebate or discount Is our friend Richard Pomeroy And all he wanted Was just a little female companionship In a bar one night Well, that sort of thing can become prohibitively expensive.
2: I walked about in a daze. What was to become of me? I was a fool. But to be punished so severely. At home, things have become unbearable. Jeanette... Well, she was so understanding, I could kill her. Richard. Why don't you come out with it and tell me you want a divorce?
1: But I don't want a divorce.
2: I've been unfaithful to you.
1: That's true, but is that a reason to divorce you? I should think you'd be furious. I am. I was, but... But what? Well, I have to be practical. Practical? You see, Richard, I can't afford to divorce you. I'm too old too old and too insecure to try to be on my own. I'm frightened. At least this way I'm still missing somebody. But that's wrong. Of course. But it's practical. Practical. Will you be home to dinner tomorrow? Uh, no. Where will you be? Paris. Paris? But you hardly ever have to go overseas.
2: I know. It's an emergency at the Paris plant.
1: Let me come with you. Maybe if we could do more things together... Well, uh... What is it, Richard?
2: I can't have you come with me. Oh. I'm sorry, I... No, 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 no. It's not what you think. It's not that at all. Well, then what is it? Well, Richard, tell me. I can't tell you. Don't ask me. You must never ask me. And so, there was no hope. What kind of misfortune was dogging my footsteps? How much worse could things get? He met me at the airport just a few minutes before the plane was scheduled to take off.
4: Yeah, I figured I wouldn't make it, huh? Listen, uh, have you done what I told you? I... I think so. You had a safe case, you got nothing in it? No legit papers you're going to need for your job? My case is empty. Oh, that's good. Because this one I got here, this one that's a dead ringer for yours, this one ain't empty. What's in it? Ooh, a couple of pads, pencils, magazine. And then there's a little compartment on the bottom. What's in there? (laughs) What do you care? The less you know, the less laver you are to blow. Hey, that rhymes. Wow. All right, now let's each put our attaché case on this empty seat. And when we get up... I take your empty case and you take my live one. It's like shooting fish in a barrel.
2: Yes. And I felt just like the fish. I took his attache case and boarded the plane. I thought I'd feel terrified, but surprisingly, I felt nothing. Nothing at all. It was only when the plane touched down that I felt a wave of agitation sweeps through me. I knew my entire body was trembling as I approached the customs counter. The officer was a tall, fat man with small eyes and a mean look on his face. He permitted some people to just pass him by. But he looked at me and he made me stop. Bad sign. Could it be my manner? Was he suspicious? He nodded at me to open my baggage suitcase, I knew it was safe. And that inspection took less than a minute, but then he said, The attaché case, monsieur. The attaché case. If monsieur, will you object? Object? Well, why should object? I object? I mean, if I were to object, it would automatically mean that I, I was hiding something, wouldn't it? It could also mean that monsieur is a fool. Well, you're absolutely welcome to search this thing as, as, as thoroughly as possible. You may pass, monsieur. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. was the matter with me. I was so nervous. I couldn't stop jabbering. This particular customs officer took me for a fool. But another might really become suspicious. I almost forgot what I was supposed to do. And then I remembered. I walked over to the newsstand, pretended to be interested in some foreign papers. I was becoming more and more frightened. Suddenly, I became aware of a voice in my ear. Put that case down, down on the floor. You're holding it in your hand. And so I was, not just holding it, but gripping it, clutching it, hanging on to it as if my life depended on it. I forced myself to relax my grip. I was aware of a man in a raincoat with a hat pulled over his eyes. He placed his case down to the floor. Shape up, buddy, or you'll never get out of this racket alive. He picked up my attache case, leaving me his. Finally, I was able to pick his up and get out of there as fast as I could. That was my first delivery. And it was successful At least once or twice a month There were other deliveries And although my face might have been composed and relaxed Each time I became more and more frightened I didn't know how to escape
1: The Great Attaché Case Mystery
2: What, what did you say to that?
1: I've decided to do something in my old age I've decided to write mystery stories Mystery stories? Why not? The best of them seem to be written by mature ladies.
2: Well, what's this about an attache case?
1: Perhaps I should have said your attache case.
2: What, what, what about it?
1: Well, I notice each time you return from a trip, you have a different one. Uh, a different what? A different attache case. Well, they all look more or less the same, but not to me. You see, there are minute differences in size in shade in the amount of wear. Very trivial differences. But obvious to me. Ask me why. Go ahead. Why? I look at you very closely, Richard. I have nothing else to do. So I sit and I speculate. Where is he going and what is he doing? And at night, when you're asleep, that is the night you're home, I sneak downstairs and examine those briefcases. Jeanette. Each briefcase has a secret compartment. Jeanette. And so, I could only deduce that my husband is engaged in smuggling. How did you ever figure that? I'll be honest. Actually, you
2: talk in your sleep. Oh. (laughs) Darling. Darling, let me help you. No one can help me. Oh, Jeanette, I'm so frightened. There are times when I could die of fright. You don't know what it is. Each time I carry that attaché case, I think I'll get a heart attack. Sooner or later, I'll be picked up and go to jail. I'll be disgraced for life. That is, if those people don't kill me first. Let me help you. Help me? How can you help me? you will go to the police. No! Don't
1: you
2: think I thought of that?
1: What good would it do? We could explain how you were trapped. In return for your cooperation, you'd be set free. It would probably
2: never even be published. Already. I can't help me. Even if I get some of them arrested, they could still make sure that Mr. Darling sees those pictures. What pictures? I didn't. I didn't talk about those in my sleep, did I? No. They're pictures of me photographs of me with that that woman. Oh. And so now, I don't suppose. I'll save you, Richard. <sighs> Chad. Anything I say, it sounds so stupid. But I love you. I've been stupid and I have been selfish. I know. But I love you. I I haven't really shown it lately. That's true. What are we going to do? How are we... Let me do this, Richard. I have
1: to do it alone. Do what alone? I'm going to the police.
2: Before I knew what she was doing, she was out of the house. I didn't know what to think was she just playing with me? Was she going to turn me in? Was that to be her revenge? No, why did I even think that? But still, after the way I treated her, would she save me? I don't know how long I kept pushing it all around, but after a while she came home.
1: It's fixed. Fixed? What do you mean, fixed? As far as you're concerned, it's all over. Over? Just like that? It will be over after your next job. How? You're not to ask Just do the same thing you always do what's going to happen?
2: You'll see And I saw I met him at the airport as usual And we chatted as usual And then after each of us had set his attaché case on an empty chair
4: I must say, Richard, you're getting to be an old-timer Is that so? Mmm, cool, that's you Oh, really? First couple of times, I thought we were going to lose you But you like good wine, pal. You're mellow with age. (laughs) You better beat it. You'll miss your plane.
2: I picked up the wrong briefcase, as usual. And just as I walked away, I turned around to look. I saw some men suddenly converge on him. And they just hustled him out of the terminal. The men did look like police. And I became frightened. Was this how Jeanette would help me? How would this stop them from sending the pictures... To Mister Darling, I worried about it all the way to Paris. And there, at the newsstand, I set the attaché case down on the ground. And as usual, the man in the raincoat was waiting. And he picked up my attaché case. He hadn't gone ten feet when a couple of gendarmes grabbed him. Ah! Jeanette,
1: oh, Richard, darling, you're
2: home. How oh, do you know what happened? Both those men—they were arrested. That's right. Well, how does that help me? Mr. Darling is definitely going to receive those photographs. Oh, I'm sure he will. Do you know what that means? Yes. He'll kick me out. He won't tolerate that kind of conduct. I don't think he will. How can you say that? You know Mr. Darling. Mr. Darling has
1: just received a letter from the police. A letter? I made sure of that. In which he is told that an attempt would be made to blackmail you. Certain photographs would be shown to him. Now he's going to get it for both sides. You see he will be told that you were doing undercover work for the police and that these pictures were made during the line of duty. Oh. And he is not to even mention it to you in any way.
2: Richard? You sent for me, Mr. Darling. Yes.
3: Richard, I... I think it's splendid that a private citizen, a civilian, should go out of his way to assist the authorities... And undercover activities. Sir. No, I'm not supposed to say anything about it, but I I want you to know that I appreciate what you've done for law and order. And morality. Thank
2: you, sir.
0: And there the matter must rest. Undercover activities, indeed. I should tell you that Richard and Jeanette lived happily ever after. Richard made that one mistake, and he paid for it. And if some of you think he should have paid more, well, what is it they say about those who reside in glass houses? I shall be back in a few moments. The 1977 Buick Regal. It comes with Buick's terrific V6 engine. It carries six people and lots of Buick comfort.
3: It's lean. It's maneuverable in city traffic. It's the most luxurious midsize car Buick
0: builds. Yeah, this new Regal is pretty much everything a car should be. Except for one thing. It isn't yours yet. But it can be. Just see your Buick dealer for a test drive. Soon. Yeah, it's pretty good, pretty good. Just about has been a story about everyday people, non-heroes, people who have no great talent or ability, people who just get along as best they can from day to day, people who have virtues and vices, who range midway between the sinner and the saint. In short, people very much like you and me. Our cast included Mason Adams, E. V. Juster, and Robert Dryden, The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale. You mean when I crashed during the Stuttgart raid, he helped you and the others smuggle me out and back to England? He was the one who picked you up when you parachuted down. He risked his life for you
1: dragging an unconscious man in daylight right under the noses of the Germans to one of our hideouts.
3: So my hat's off to him, but these are different times. What
1: different times? To help any member of the underground is simply a reflex action, as tonight. And at any time, I would trust Jean with my life. I would always be sure that...
2: What... what is it? There's something in the pocket of my coat.
1: He must have slipped it there when he embraced
2: me. What? A
1: necklace. Diamond necklace.
2: Shh, isn't that the priest's coming back. You better
0: report it to... No.
1: If you love me, if you ever want to marry me, say nothing, let me do the
0: talking. Radio Mystery Theater was sponsored in part by Exlax and Buick Motor Division. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.